the Lord. I want to begin a, a short series. It started out as a message. It became a, probably a three-part series. So it's funny how those things happen during the week when you get studying. Amen? But if you have your Bibles, let's look at three verses as our text, and then we're going to dive into this message. So if you have your Bibles, if you start out, let's look at Psalm 34 and verse 19. Psalm 34 and verse 19. A familiar verse. We're going to read it here in the NIV. Most of us know the King James if you grew up around this. Psalm 34 and verse 19. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. All right. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Amen? The backslider and the rebels got enough of their problems. We're talking the righteous go through things. But the Lord. But the Lord. That wonderful promise. The Lord delivers them from how many? All of them. But I'm sick and I might not get well. My Lord, you're getting the best, you're getting the best healing that there ever is. You're going in the presence of the Lord. I'm telling you, all of them have been overcome by our Lord and Savior. All right, John 16 and verse 33. I'm going to talk about some trouble. I don't want to be a prophet of doom, but I, I can prophesy without much um, fear of being wrong that you're going to have some trouble in this next year, and so am I. Amen? I mean, if you live in this world and you're part of this fallen race, you're, you're going to have a trial or two. That that comes with the program. Amen? And it's good to know how God wants us to respond to troubles, seeing that we're going to have them. Isn't that right? I mean, if we're going to have them, it would behoove me to go to the good Word of God and find out how's the best way to handle them. Because they're coming whether I like them or not. Isn't that right? I mean, some things you've got to get on that prayer line. Pray for a better job. Pray for a better job. No one ever got on the prayer line and said, pray that I might have trouble. You have to pray that. They're coming all by themselves. Isn't that right? They have to give me some tribulation to make me more like Jesus. Then I've got to pray that. It's coming whether you like it or not. Jesus said so. I'm, you know, here we go. John 16, verse 33. These are the words of Jesus. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. When you're in Christ, there's peace. When you get outside Christ and you don't have peace, in me you have peace. Now, in this world, Jesus said, you will have trouble. But take heart. Be a good cheer. Jesus said, I've overcome the world. Amen? And because He's overcome, those that are with Him, we can overcome. And now one more, Genesis 50 and verse 20. If you remember some weeks, some months ago, we did a series from the life of Joseph. Well, this is one sermon that we left out, and I said, I'm going to save it for a special occasion. And well, our New Year's weekend, it became our special occasion Genesis 50 and verse 20. Joseph said to his brothers, You intended to harm me, but God intended. God has an intention, but we have to respond by faith. God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Again, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish. See, God can take even trouble and accomplish something from it if we respond properly to it. It doesn't mean God originated. It doesn't mean God desired it from the beginning. But God can still take it if we'll respond in faith and use it to work in my life. We're going to study that. We're going to study that. I want to talk about silver linings. Silver linings. Or advantages in adversity. And again, this would come from a series from the life of Joseph. 
We remember the story of Joseph. I mean, even, even, after, <laughs> even after he sold as a slave by his own brothers, Joseph was unfairly accused and unrightfully incarcerated. But throughout his time, not only in Egypt, but also in that time of prison, he remained true to the Lord, and that's the important thing. Life can bring you through some things. Life can throw some things that are unfair and unexpected. Make sure you remain true to the Lord. When it all ends, the most important thing, have you stayed true to the Lord? Everyone's going to stumble. Everyone's going to try to get back up. Everyone's going to take a wrong turn every now and again and say, that dumb GPS, throw it out the window. Amen? It tells me to turn after I pass the thing a half a mile down the road. and Now now it wants me to recalibrate and go in a circle in the middle of I-4. I'll give it a recircle. Amen? Out the window. But the Lord says, you're going to face some trouble, but the important thing is that you stay true to God. And you walk in your integrity. And you walk in godly character. In the end, that's what will matter most. We can glean some helpful principles from Joseph's life to assist us when we face challenges to our faith. For the fact is, we're all going to face a problem or two. And there will be testings and there will be trying times in this walk of faith. And God wants us to learn from those that have gone before us. He wants us to learn from those men and women of faith that the Scripture talks about. So we can apply those principles to our lives. There are advantages in adversity. There are silver linings to those that have eyes to see. Now I want to, next two or three sermons, we want to cover five thoughts. Five thoughts about these advantages. Let's look at the first few here just to give you a bit of an outline. Today we're going to look at problems. Number one, they provide opportunity. Problems provide opportunity. When a problem comes your way, there's an opportunity there. God often allows problems in order to provide an opportunity so we can grow, so we can serve, so we can learn, so we can experience God in a greater measure and in a greater dimension. And then next week we'll start with number two and three, that problems not only provide greater opportunities, but problems promote spiritual maturity. Problems can make us better if we refuse to let them make us bitter. If you respond properly, they'll mature you and not expose you. And then number three, problems not only promote maturity, but problems prove integrity. You find out what's really in someone when things don't go their way. Joseph was a man of character. And his character was revealed through the difficulties that he faced. He went through things and we got to see there was a real man of God underneath that robe. There was a real servant of God. When no one else was around, he still served God. Wow. And then following week, we're going to look at how problems produce a sense of dependency. That our problems, if we're people of faith, should cause us to cling to the Lord like we've never clung before. To draw near to God. To rest fully on God. And in that, we grow in God. And then lastly, we're going to find out that problems not only provide opportunities, not only promote maturity, Not only prove our integrity, not only do they produce dependency, but problems prepare our hearts for ministry. When you go through something, there's a compassion for others that are going through it. When you go through something the right way, you learn and you're more capable to go through it the next time or you have a greater confidence to help someone through it because you've been through it and you've experienced the grace and the help of God. So this morning, number one, silver lining. Problems provide opportunities. God often allows or gives us problems 
in order to provide for you and I an opportunity to grow, to learn, to serve, to experience God in a new way. As His children, we need to look for possibilities in our problems. You and I were created to solve problems on the earth. It's part of our divine purpose. Problems are the birthplace for promotions, for relationships, for revelations, for accomplishments. Obviously, we cannot solve everyone's problems. We're not called to solve everyone's problems. But we should see problems as an opportunity to make a difference and to be God's instrument in the earth. For example, we see Joseph's in prison. There was a problem, but he made it an opportunity when he looks and he sees the baker and the butler and their countenance is down. And his heart goes out to them. And he sees a problem and he ministers to the problem. And he finds out they had a dream and they don't know what it means. And Joseph says, well, God, God I serve. He can give me an interpretation. And he interpreted them. And that problem became an opportunity for Joseph to serve even in a prison. But not only that, that opportunity became the stepping stone for his promotion into the presence of Pharaoh, into the ultimate fulfillment of his life. Again, the problems provide opportunities to those who have an eye to see. Nehemiah, he heard about the condition of God's city. He heard that the walls of Jerusalem were down and it was in a shameful condition. There was a problem, but he didn't see it as just something to forget. He saw it as an opportunity to rally the troops and, and to attack that which needed to be attacking. And the Bible tells us how Nehemiah, he asked and then he wept and then he prayed and then he took action, not only to rally the troops, but to realize his purpose was more than just being in the king's courtroom. His purpose was about doing the will of God and helping the kingdom of God to go forward. You have a purpose in life and it's to help solve problems. If you need a ministry, find a problem and answer it. If you need a ministry and you're looking to do something, find a problem and do something about it and let God use you as His vessel. Let God use you as His answer to someone's prayer and to someone's need. David, he was stirred by Goliath. Goliath was a problem that nobody wanted to deal with, but his threats and all his tauntings, it might have caused others to flee. But David saw there was a problem. And not only that, it's a problem that others didn't seem to be able to handle. David saw a problem. And when he did it, he didn't say, it's not my problem. It's someone else's problem. I'm just, I'm not even in the army. Instead, he saw the problem. And I love it. He says, I got this. Don't worry about it. I can handle this. You know, there's people out there going through things that they can't handle, but you've got the gifting. You have the anointing. You have the faith to help someone do something they can't do for themselves. Not an excuse for someone else to be lazy, but the fact is people go through things. Here's Goliath, and there's no one with the anointing to handle him. And David shows up and says, don't worry about it, king. I take care of this one. Walk through life knowing that God is in you, and God is for you. And if you see an opportunity to be a blessing, go ahead and bless them. Go ahead and let them know, I can handle this, I can do this, because I am a servant of God. Jesus wept over a city, and then He died for a city. There was a problem. We were lost. Opportunity for Him to redeem. Problems provide opportunities. Not to bury our heads. Not to point the finger, but to help and to learn and to experience and to do. 
Some of the books of your Bible are called the prison epistles. The Apostle Paul wrote them while he was in prison. That's a problem, being in prison, I would assume. But problems provide opportunities. Paul's in prison. And some of the most precious books of your Bible were written while he was in prison. Instead of just complaining, instead of just giving in to despair, in that problem there was an opportunity. And he receives this great revelation from God. Some of your favorite Bible books, Ephesians, Philippians, written in a prison. Some of our favorite verses, I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. Written from a prison. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Written in prison. There can be joy in that midnight hour when you know the Lord and even in the midst of it. My God shall supply all your needs. All written. Again, people looking for a ministry should find a problem and solve it. If you need a ministry, you don't got to get some word from God. Open your eyes and see the needs. The fields are widened to harvest. Jesus didn't say go and pray for an hour and a half. He said open your eyes and see. The fields are white. The needs are great. Nursing homes can be visited. Young people can be mentored. Unsaved can be witnessed to. The hurting can be helped. The suffering can be ministered to. Glory be to God. Hallelujah forevermore. Problems provide opportunities. There are silver linings if we'll respond properly. If we'll trust God in the face of them. Again, Joseph's life. In his life, problems were used to teach him, to develop him, to polish him, to use him. And finally, they opened up the doors of promotion to him. If he had ignored the problems, he would have missed the stairway. To his ultimate destiny. But those were the steps God placed before him to enter that destiny. David was trained. David was developed dealing with problems, all sorts of problems, throughout his life, whether it's shepherding, whether it's battling. In fact, a problem was the door that gave David access to the court when King Saul was troubled and his anointing and David's music was the thing to solve the problem that got him in the court. Daniel, that great man of God, A problem brought him promotion and brought God great glory. Remember old Nebuchadnezzar? He couldn't sleep. He had a troubling dream. And when a despot like that starts getting troubled, look out. Then none of the other false gods and false wise men could answer his dream. So he decided, we're going to kill them all. And when Daniel heard that, he said, hey, take it easy, Neb. Take it easy. Don't be too hasty here. These false gods can't answer you, but I know a God in heaven. And he can, he can interpret dreams. And let me answer your dream. And there was Daniel. He answered the dream and got a promotion. And God, the true and living God, was glorified in the midst of a heathen land. And God can be glorified in our lives in the midst of a heathen land as we recognize that problems are opportunities for God's people to be the answer as the anointing and blessing of God flows through us. Problems were the classroom to some of the greatest curriculum the disciples ever had. The lessons, the revelations, the experiences the disciples had. How many of them came in the arena or in the setting of a problem? Hey Lord, there's a lot of people here, it's getting late, and there's nothing to eat. That's a problem. And Jesus, let me teach you something. What do you think we should do? And the Bible says He already knew what He was going to do. The Lord will test you, and He already knows what should be done. They said, well, well, send them away. Send them away. That's a good answer. If there's a problem, get rid of it, man. 
Take another route. And you see him in the, go down the other aisle at Walmart. My Lord. Amen. That's one answer, right? right? Just go the other way. Jesus said, no, no, how about you feed them? We feed them. How are we going to feed them? Two sardines and half a slice of Wonder Bread. How are we going to feed them, Lord? Jesus said, time for a lesson. I'm going to teach you how to be a partner in the miraculous. A partner in the miraculous? Yeah. Jesus don't walk the aisles and heal. He'll heal through you and he'll heal through me. Jesus never walked across the street and gave a widow a loaf of bread or some groceries. He did it through you and He does it through me. Jesus says, what is it that you have? Not much. He said, I didn't ask you how much. I just asked you, what do you have? Whatever it is, Jesus said, go give me what you have. You got some time? Use it. You got a little bit of treasure? Use it. You got a gift? Some of y'all can smoke some ribs and all. Go ahead and use it. And now give it to me. And I'm going to bless it. And I'm going to give it back to you. And when you surrender it to me and my blessing comes on it, it can go the distance. It can meet the need. There's a lesson. There's a lesson. Those disciples, professional fishermen, they're out there on the lake and a storm comes. When they start fearing for their lives, I mean, those are professionals. They grew up on that water. When they start fearing, you know there's a problem. But it was in the midst of that setting. My Lord, they saw the Master rise from asleep and say, Peace, be still. And what do they say? What manner of man is this? Sometimes if you'll go through a problem and use your faith, you'll see God intervene in such a way that you'll just stand back and say, wow, what a mighty God I serve. He's a great God. He's a powerful God. And they learn that lesson of the greatness of their God and the mightiness of their Savior. How about, Lord, we're at the wedding and there's no more wine. That's a problem in that culture, a big problem. And Mary gives us a real insight. She says, hey, whatever He says unto you, do it. Amen? You don't got to go to five counseling sessions. Obey the Lord. Hear His Word. Read the book. Obey the book. And it will go well with you. But then we notice that Jesus taught them that day that He demands our participation. He'll let the wine flow. He'll let the bread grow. But He requires of you and I a cooperation of faith and obedience. He says, you take the barrels and you fill them with water. Lord, they don't need water. They need wine. Jesus said, I didn't ask for your opinion. I just asked for your obedience. If you'll fill them with water, I'll take Take it from there. You know the story. Come on, say amen. I'm talking about problems are the classrooms of revelation to get to know God better. If you whine about every problem, run away from every problem, you'll never grow in the things of God. God will demand His trust. God will demand your obedience. But if you'll do it God's way, recognizing and responding, you will get revelation. You will get experiences. You will get an education to know this God and to walk the victory. Can you say amen? Problems. Provide opportunities to grow and to mature, to learn, to serve or help others, to experience more and greater measures of God. Great testimonies come out of great tests. So don't avoid every test. Go through it in faith and get a great testimony. Andrea Crouch wrote that song many years ago, and I love that one line. The song was called Through It All. He said, if I never had a problem, How would I know my God could solve them? How would I know what faith in His Word can do? But through it all, through it all, I've learned. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, I've learned to depend upon His Word. Problems teach us. Problems develop us. There is silver linings. There is advantages in adversity. Some years ago, many years ago, some farmers in South Alabama 
Now, they were accustomed back in those days, probably the late 1800s, early 1900s, they were accustomed every year planting one crop, cotton, cotton, cotton. They would plow as much ground as they could, plant their crop. Year after year, they lived by cotton alone. Then one year, the dreaded boll weevil, the boll weevil, it devastated the whole area. The next year, the farmers mortgaged their homes, planted cotton again, hoping for a good harvest. But as the cotton began to grow, the insect came back, destroyed the crop, wiping out most of the farmers in that entire region. Now the few who survived those two years of the boll weevil decided to experiment the third year. So they planted something they never planted before, peanuts, peanuts. (laughs) Now the peanuts, they proved so strong and the market was so good that the product that the farmers who survived the first two years reaped The third year enabled them to pay off all their debts. They planted peanuts from then on. They prospered greatly. So after that was all done, those three tight years were done, and they found the peanuts. You know what they did? They spent some of their money to erect a monument in the center of town. And you know who the monument was to, don't you? The boll weevil. But without that boll weevil, they never would have found peanuts. You see, sometimes you miss some of God's greatest blessings. If you fail to respond to problems by faith. But as many times God sends a problem to do something in your life, to bless you in the long run, to do something that prosperity can't do, problems can do. Goliath did more for David in promoting him before the eyes of those he was called to lead than Saul the king ever did. Oh, bless his name. Now, in John 5, there's a very interesting story. Uh, Jesus healing a man that had been lame for about 38 years. And the story shows us the importance of recognizing and responding properly to the opportunity in the problem. The opportunity in the problem. Now, in your devotional time, I encourage you, John 5, read the story, but it went something like this. One day, Jesus visited a place in Jerusalem called Bethesda. It was called the House of Grace. And there was a pool there, and there were many sick people there. There were the lame and the blind and the, and the paralyzed. And at a certain time, the waters would be stirred, and whoever got into the water first would be healed. And Jesus found a man, again, crippled for 38 years. And Jesus approached the man and says, Do you want to be healed? And instead of saying, Yes, Lord, I do, the man replied, I've got no one to help me. Someone always beats me to it, and I can never get in. You see, while Jesus was at the pool, he was bringing the greatest opportunity they had ever had. God, the healer, was there. No one had to struggle to get in the water again. The river of life had come to them. But years of disappointment, maybe seeing others get it, waiting for another opportunity to come, seems to have worn down his faith. We can understand that to a bit. I mean, instead of responding to Jesus' question, He's quickly just complaining about his situation, not realizing that the one that could change the situation was standing right in front of him. Psalm 50 and verse 15. Psalm 50 and verse 15. He said, and call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will deliver you, and you will honor me. And listen, when you call on him, get ready to respond to him. Don't just call on Him and expect Him to do. And you call on Him. Get ready for Him to speak to you. 
Get ready for him to expect something from you. He's going to say, Peter, cast the net. <laughs> He's going to say, withered man, stretch forth the hand. He, so on, stand up and walk. He's going to speak to you and advise you and ask you and require of you. This crippled man almost missed his opportunity. I think many people miss their opportunity because they allow the problem to blind them to what God is saying to them. They allow the problem to blind them to what God is calling them to and requiring of them. This is a beautiful story. Jesus comes to the man. He sought the man out just like he sought you out and just like he sought me out. He came to seek and save. Aren't you glad that He didn't leave us in our lostness? Aren't you glad He didn't leave us in our desperate place? He didn't leave us just grappling around. Aren't you glad Jesus came to you? Aren't you glad Jesus knocked on the door of your heart? Aren't you glad somehow it might have been through mama or daddy? It might have been through a person in the job, maybe in the military, but somewhere along the line, you were lost, but now you're found because Jesus, who knew you by name, stopped by your house and knocked on your heart and came and revealed Himself to you. He came to Him and Jesus, the Bible says, knew everything about him. He knew his condition. He knew his situation. I want you to know this morning, he knows your story. He knows your story. He knows your situation. He knows your background. That doesn't disqualify you. That doesn't intimidate him. The Lord knows your story. That's all right. And he still loves you. Can you say amen? I mean, sometimes when we get to know someone's story, we're on second thoughts about that. But the Lord, he knows our story and he loves us with an everlasting love. Jesus came to him. Jesus knew him. And then Jesus had a good word for him. Praise the Lord. He had a word of salvation. He had a word of liberation. He had a word that was going to demand some participation. But i got good news for you. Jesus has a good word for you. It might demand your faith and your response. It might demand you do something you feel uncomfortable. But God wants to speak to your heart. But God wants to bring you to a new place. God wants to speak to your situation so you can rise up, take your mad and go home. Can you say amen? But this man, this man made some mistakes in this story that almost kept him from receiving a miracle. I I don't want to miss it. Amen? I want to make the most of the opportunity. I don't want a problem. I don't have to go through it twice if I can avoid it. I'd rather learn the first time around. Amen? Amen? Well, that's going to demand that I recognize that God works through problems. That God helps me to grow through problems. That God demands of my obedience and trust through problems. It means I have to respond to the Word and respond to the call in the midst of the problems. This man did three things that almost cost him his miracle. Number one, and I don't have it on the PowerPoint, so if you're note takers, just write it down. Number one, he judged the present by the past. He judged the present by the past. And now his argument to Jesus, right? Hey, do you want to be made whole? I can't, I can't, I can't get there. Everyone's ahead of me. His argument was logical except for one thing. He left God out of the picture. Everything he said was okay except... He forgot God and human flesh was talking to him. You see, God is not limited by the past. No matter how many disappointments and failures we may have had in the past, when Jesus Christ comes on the scene, everything can change. Jesus changes lives. Jesus transforms lives. He transforms situations. He'll turn it around. 
If you'll really make up your mind to really serve Him, He'll show Himself strong on your behalf. If you'll make up your mind not just to touch the waters with a little toe, but to hold heart and say, Lord, I'm yours with everything I have. Sink or swim. You'll see this great God work miracles in your life. Now, I, I can understand, I can understand this man's attitude in the natural, but when Jesus calls us, when Jesus invites us, when Jesus gives us a wonderful promise, we, we should expect it to come to pass. We should believe it. We should respond to it. You see, nothing can paralyze our lives like the attitude that things will never change. We need to remind ourselves that God can change things. God can change anything. God can forgive any sin and God can make any person brand new. God can break any hold and free any person from addiction and bondage and oppression. God can heal any body and God can mend any mind. God can send revival to lives and to families and to churches that people have written off. I want you, God can, God can. Our God is able and His arm is not too short to display His power and to work His wonders in your life and in my life. And whatever you're going through, how many times you've tried and you failed, if you'll keep coming to Christ and leaning on those everlasting arms and obeying His Word with all that you have, He'll come through for you. He'll break through for you. This man judged his present by the past, but he forgot that God was there. And God can move in difficult situations. God can do what men can not do. God can work in situations that we are totally incapable of working. And God can turn what seemingly is a failure and make it a great victory. God can make the difference. Tell someone next to you, God can make a difference. God, I'm not talking about positive thinking. I'm not talking about just earthly this and earthly that. I'm saying the living God, the God that sent His only begotten Son, He's able to heal that cancer. He's able to mend that mind. He's able to transform that situation. He's a great God. He's an awesome God. He's a powerful God. And, and for us to judge the present by the past is to limit this God. Don't limit this God. Change your perspective. Don't limit this God. See Him great, high, and lifted up. Don't limit this God. Perspective matters. Perspective matters. There's a story about two market researchers many years ago who were independently dispatched to, to one, by one of the world's largest shoe corporations to, under, to go to an undeveloped nation and see if they could sell shoes back in the early 1900s. The first researcher got there, and as soon as he got there, he sent a telegram back to headquarters immediately. He said, no market here. Waste of my time. Nobody wears shoes. The second one got there, looked at the same scenario, the same nation, Quickly ran back to the telegram and said, send me all the shoes you got. Unlimited potential here. Nobody has shoes. You see, how we see things matters. Isn't that right? How we see things matters. The perspective that sees God in the situation sees the possibility for grace and for strength, for help and for hope. If we see God, we won't be quick to limit God. Number one, he judged the present by the past. But number two, this man almost missed his miracle. And many people almost miss the great work God wants to do in that situation. They see the problem, not the possibility. And that's a dangerous thing because our God is a God of possibilities. Oh my. Mark 9 and 23. These are the words of Jesus. Mark 9 and 23. He said, oh, all things are possible. Oh yeah. If you can believe... 
Remember, they said, Lord, if you can, if you can, you can help. And if, 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 Jesus wiped out the if, can you say amen? He said, no, no, all things are possible to him who believes. He's a God of possibilities. He's a God that is able. We think of Mark 10 and 27 where he said, with men it's impossible. With men a lot of things are impossible. But with God, with God, Jesus said, look at them. He said, with men it's impossible. I know with men the situation is hopeless. With men that one will never get saved. With men that situation will never be anything but that with men it is impossible but not with God not with God somebody not with God but with God all things are possible remember his answer to Jesus whenever the water stirred I try I fail no one helps me somebody beats me but Jesus didn't ask the man what his problems were. He asked him what his desires were. He said, do you want to get whole? Do you want to be well? Oh, my. Dr. Wiersbe writes, perhaps this is what separates the optimist from the pessimist. The optimist sees the possibilities in the problems. The pessimist sees the problems in the possibilities. One sees the opportunity, the other sees obstacles. But I want you to know that all things are possible with our God. Look at those that He has saved. And we said, man, I never would have thought that guy could get saved. Look at the people and the testimonies we've heard of lives that were just totally lost and out of whack and they're gone. But now they're trophies of the grace of this great God. Why? He's a God of possibilities. And though men can look at a Nikki Cruz and men can look at so many of these, uh, these testimonies, there's not a hope, there's not a chance, but with God. As many of your testimonies with God, look at those He saved. Look at those He's used. How can God use someone like that? How with a handicap, with a dysfunction? How could God? Oh, all things are possible with God. He could use things you couldn't imagine. He always shifts the overlooked. He uses the insulted. He uses those that men say, you got to be kidding me. But no, all things are possible with this God. He'll use your life. He'll use your life. If you give it to Him, He'll use your life. Oh, don't be too quick to disqualify yourself. Just humble your heart. Surrender your life. And watch God pick you up and use you as an instrument in His hand. As a vessel that His glory can flow. Oh, somebody say Amen. He's a God of possibilities. Oh, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. The lives that He saved and the lives that He's used and the things that He has done, all oh, the answers to prayer and the testimonies of His grace. He is a God of possibilities. That's that old song. It is no secret what God can do, what He's done for others, He'll do for you. Because He's a God of possibilities. His power has no no limits. His grace has no holding. It can reach you. It can bless you. It can reach down to the darkest well of despair and lift up the hopeless and give them a new song. It can reach down to the life that is bound in sin and set you free and make you brand new. Why? He's a great God. Oh, bless it. Somebody bless His name. Possibility. Possibility. Yes. Yes. All things are possible. With this God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, glory. Yes, Lord. Yeah, He didn't die. He didn't die. He's still on that throne. 
All things are possible. Mm, mm. Now remember, the real basis for this optimism is our faith in Him. Bringing God into the picture. Not being blinded by the circumstance. Not being overwhelmed by the problem itself. But allowing God to draw a new picture on the hearts of hope. A new dream. A new expectation. To write a new picture in our minds that believes God. That sees the breakthrough coming from God. When this God is acknowledged, when this God is obeyed, when this God is trusted, then even the great problems can have great potentials for blessing and for the working of God's power. Listen, things can change. I can change. You can change. God has something for us. God is a God of possibilities. And He can turn our mountains into miracles. We must respond and recognize the possibility in the problem by responding to that mountain, by lifting up our shield of faith, by letting forth the good confession of our faith, by standing firm with an expectation of faith. God is working all things together. God is answering my prayer. God is bringing His promises to pass in my life. We are a people who believe all things are possible by this great God of power and possibility. This man had Jesus Himself standing in front of him. But he almost missed that great blessing. A sovereign blessing. Number one, he judged the present by the past. Number two, he was seeing the problem, not the possibility. Number three... He saw what he didn't have rather than what he did have. Instead of being so quick to confess, there's nothing I can do. Ask yourself, what can I do? You can show up and hear the Word. You can get someone to pray with you and believe. You get in that agreement prayer. Ah, I can't, I can, you can pass out a bulletin if you can't teach. You, you can visit some widow woman. If all you can do is drive a little bit and sit with someone and smile. Oh, what can you do? What can you do? What can you do? This man could act. He could believe. He had faith to believe and he had a will to respond. You have a will that can respond to God's Word. You have a will that can respond to the need. Remember, God always starts with what we have before He gives us what we need. Moses had a rod. David had a sling. Peter had a boat. That widow, that little widow had one last meal. One last meal. He'll, he'll ask you for what you have before He gives you what you need. And too often we're waiting. When's God going to move? When God's going to move? God says, give me what you got. Act out what you got. Some loaves and fish. Bring them here. What are they among so many? Just watch. Just watch. But first you, gotta, you won't see it if you don't bring them. Wes, what do we have? The one thing every one of us has. We've got faith. We've got faith to believe God. We've got faith to act, to do something, to respond. Your faith is the one thing that God requires if He's going to work miracles in our lives and through our lives. The great heroes of the Bible, especially that 11th chapter of Hebrews, and you can go on, the great heroes of the Bible were greatly used not because 
or their talents or their temperaments or their personalities, but because of their faith. Their faith that believed and their faith that obeyed. Sometimes they had to obey some strange, strange um, instructions. March around the wall. Yeah. That kind of military strategy is that. Amen. Walk through a Red Sea. The priest, take that ark and walk. When are you going to open it after your feet get wet? Amen. The Lord, really? Lord, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, sometimes we're waiting for God to make something happen. God said, I don't see your feet getting wet yet. You get those feet wet, you watch what I can do. Faith that believes and obeys in action. And it's our action in response to God's commandment that releases the working of God. If you're a child of God, that means you've trusted Him as your Savior. I mean, that's faith for the greatest of all miracles, salvation. Now you can use that faith to lay hold of His promise. Now you can use that faith to expect His moving in your life. Now you can use that faith to respond, to act, to respond to do what God's telling you to do. Talking about silver linings. Problems. Number one, they provide opportunities. Next week, we're going to see our problems promote maturity. Problems promote maturity. Problems also prove our integrity. You'll find a whole lot about someone when things don't go their way. Isn't that right? Are you wondering what's in that sponge? Just poke it and see what comes out. Amen? Yeah. We're going to see that. Don't miss next week. But as I close this one down, problems... Problems are part of life. But they don't, listen, they don't separate me from God. Sin separates me from God. The Bible's clear about that one, is it not? Sin separates me from God. But problems don't. They don't separate me from God's love or God's care or God's grace or God's strength or His working. Problems, and obviously, I'm not calling the prayer line and asking for any. Because they're uncomfortable. Oftentimes they're unkind and usually unexpected. But if I understand some of these basic principles from the Word of God, then you and I can respond differently than others and see a different answer, see a different response. Problems provide opportunities. There you go. To grow. Someone comes to the altar. I want great faith. I want to be a man of faith. God will give you a problem. I didn't ask for a problem, Lord. I asked for great faith. God says, how do you think you're going to get great faith? Amen? I want to bench 400. Well, first bench 100. How about that? Let's go there. Have we try that one? If you can get that one eight times, we'll slap 10, 10, 10 you know, on the other side and we'll get you going. You see? And, and, but problems provide opportunities to grow, to learn, to learn. There's lessons in the struggle. There's lessons in the battle. Oh, if we have a teachable spirit, life is a wonderful university. Can you say amen? amen? Gives us an opportunity to serve others, to trust God in ways we've never trusted God, to believe and to respond and to see God move in our lives. We come to this altar. I want to challenge you to believe God to work in your life and in your situation and in this new year. Are you believing for something? Or are you just going to same old, same old? Are you laying hold of a promise of God expecting it to come to pass? Is there someone you're claiming for salvation? Or haven't you thought about it? 
Oh, it's time to say, Lord, we must work the works of Him who sent us. Nighttime is coming when no man can work while we're here. Let's believe God to work and let's respond to the word God is speaking. You might have been here, God talking to you. It's about time to respond. You put it off last year. You put it off the year before. God's going to remind some people of words you've conveniently, I feel this, of words you've conveniently forgotten. Because their words are going to demand a change. Their words are going to demand a surrender. Their words are going to demand you to step out of that boat. And you've never walked in that way of faith before. And you're in a comfort place. Will you respond to the word God has been speaking to your heart? Will you respond so you can watch God work in your life in a measure and in a dimension you've never seen before? He's ready and He's waiting and He's willing, but you've got to get the feet wet. The obedience to release the miracle of God. I'm going to pray the prayer. We're going to sing the song or open the altar. If you're here today and your heart's not right with God, don't leave until you get it right with God. No man's guaranteed tomorrow. I don't care if you're young or you're old. You are not guaranteed tomorrow. But you are guaranteed when you breathe your last breath here, you will stand before a living God. And you want to stand before Him knowing things are right. So we open this altar. If you need to make things right, you come down and make them right. Someone will pray with you and God will forgive you if you're sincere. And you can start a new day. But I pray the rest of us, let's get ready for a new year. Problems are going to come, but we're not just going to grit our teeth like the world and complain about them. We're going to go online and complain about them like all those other losers that they're lost and don't know God. No, no, no. We're going to respond like men and women of faith, recognizing there is a possibility in this problem. There's an opportunity in this situation. It might break me a bit. It might stretch me a bit, but I'm going to tell it God's way. Can you say amen? Glory be to God. Stand with me, please. Let's pray and open the altar. Let's believe God. Somebody, let's believe God. I'm believing for a miracle. Amen? Come on, say amen. Let's believe God for miracles. Let's believe God for breakthroughs. Glory to God. Father, we love you. We love you. We love you. We thank you, Lord, that you are God of possibilities, that there are silver linings, there's advantages in adversity, that if we'll walk the way you want us to walk and respond the way you want us to respond, you will do great and mighty things in our lives and through our lives. That we can grow and we can receive answers that we've waited on for a long time. That we can believe and see your hand move in a sovereign way. Father, as we come to this altar, help us, O oh God, in this coming year and this coming day to respond to our problems properly. That we could grow through them and we could glorify you in them. Father, give strength to those who are battling right now. Lord, you know every need and you know every situation. Increase our faith and give us a spirit of wisdom that we won't run away, but we will advance with the mind and the confidence of God. Father, I pray that you touch the hurting right now. People are hurting, people are wounded, people are abused. Touch the hurting. Jesus, you're a wounded heart healer. Right now, as they lift their brokenness to you, O God, pour that holy oil of consolation.
compassion. Oh God, as they look to you and give you their wound, their brokenness, their hurt, Lord, begin to minister grace. Begin to minister peace. Heal the hurting and fill the thirsty. Lord, you can't make anyone thirsty, but I know some want more of you. I know some want a greater portion, a greater filling. Lord, I pray, fill the thirsty. Fill the thirsty. You promised to fill the thirsty. Father, I pray those that are thirsty for more of you, those that are really yearning to grow in their faith and to grow closer in their walk with you, that you'd fill them. Fill them to a new measure. Father, I pray that you'd strengthen the weary. That the weary don't have to stay weary. That you are the one that renews our strength as we wait upon you. Now, O oh God, as we come to this altar, let your power flow. Let gifts of healings and miracles be released. Let the lame walk. Let the blind see. Let the oppressed be free. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, let's sing this through. If you need prayer, come quickly. Come. If you need to make things right, don't leave. Get it right and start the new year right. In Jesus' name.